Island Church in Galveston, Texas, welcomes you to our podcast. Be encouraged by Pastor Rusty Martin as he teaches the Word of God. You know, there are times as a minister when you go through the routine of ministry. That means you just stay faithful with what you're doing and progressing in the things of God, seeking God for what to feed His sheep. Amen. Because you definitely don't belong to me. You belong to Him. First Peter again, as we continue to explore these things the Lord is speaking to us, I think it's pretty simple. God wants us to pray. Amen. He wants us to watch. And He wants us to cover each other with love. Amen. That's a pretty simple assignment or pretty simple uh, orders for the last days, isn't it? Well, in the midst of that, we're also going to go to the world, our world and the world we live in, and preach the gospel to every creature. Hallelujah. Now, let me say this. This may help some of you. You know, it's uh, an amazing phenomenon to watch the moves of God move during a period of your lifetime. As a child... I mean, I, I, we witnessed some tremendous things in the move of God. I can remember when the entire Houston area was alive with the revival. There were probably four or five different locations in the city that you could go to for a, for a meeting in any particular night in which God was moving in revival form. You say, what do you mean by that? Well, it was inspirational. People were having services every night. God was moving every night. People were either getting healed, saved, or filled with the Holy Ghost, sometimes all three night after night after night. And then in many of the greater events, like the full gospel businessmen would do conventions at the, at the Shamrock Hilton Hotel, other things that were going on. It was amazing. The crowds, there would be standing room only crowds. People would line up, you know, day, a day or two days before the event to try to get into the event. I remember in the Catherine Kuhlman meetings, they had counters at the doors and they, they had to stop the crowd. When the fire marshal said, that's enough, they'd stop the crowd. And then the crowd would gather outside. He said, well, what's happening today? Well, things have changed. Everybody say changed. Many of those moves of God ran their course. They went, they went the direction in which God set them in the earth and they ran, they ran their course. Now here we stand and obviously the last of the last days, the last few ticks of the clock in this dispensation, if you don't believe that, you ought to read your Bible. Because these are the days in which Jesus talked about, in which John the Revelator, Peter we see talked about, and which the Apostle Paul showed us would come, the perilous times of the last days. Amen. So we're there right now. So you've got to understand something about serving God. I found this out. I didn't learn it as a child, but I learned it when I came back to the Lord at age 28. And that is this. You don't belong to you anymore. Now because of that, what most people try to do in Christianity is find a place of what I call pacification when it comes to serving God. A place where you feel good about yourself and those around you feel good about you too. But the problem with that is, is there's no growth in that. So what God will do is he'll put you in a church that puts a demand on you and put, a, put you around people you have to love. You say, why does he do that? So you'll grow. So you'll grow. And many times I've watched over the years because people will say things like this. Well, I'm not going to that church anymore because every time I go there, they're telling me something else to do. Well, it may not be us telling you something else to do. It may be God trying to make adjustments in your life. And many times when you sit under the teaching of the Word of God and the Word of God comes to you and you're not just listening but you're hearing, then you've got to walk out of the door trying to make a decision what you're going to do with what you just heard. And many times that's not comfortable for people and people tend to gravitate toward comfort. <laughs> Amen. 
But thank God the Holy Ghost is your comforter, not your pastor. <laughs> I like to say he comforts the afflicts, afflicted and afflicts the comfortable. You say, what do you mean? He'll make you miserable in your comfort. So you say, what are you trying to say, Pastor? Serve God with all your heart. But when God puts a demand upon you, especially a change in your character, change, yield to it. Don't be resistant to the things of God. So many people are so resistant. Anything God says, well, I don't know. I think about that. Man, that's just your interpretation. Why don't you just ask God? Ask the Holy Ghost. If that's something really relevant into my life, let it be revealed and let me obey it. Let me live in it. And I guarantee you it'll bless your life. Now, we've been looking, this is the fourth week, we've been looking at just a scripture, some scriptures that God had given me in 1 Peter. Now, I've connected some, some other scriptures to it, but I believe in this, this portion of scripture, and, I, and you know me, I hate to use the word prophetic, but it is prophetic of God speaking to us as a church, saying, here's your standards. Here's how you need to behave. Here's how you need to act. It's not the 40s anymore. It's not the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s. It's not the turn of the millennium anymore. We're in 2022. Things are happening very, very rapidly. And two components are going to come together here very shortly to fill churches up all over the place. But churches aren't going to stay filled. You say, why? Because churches are going to fill up and a lot of churches aren't going to have anything to give anybody. They're not going to have anything to give them. You say, why? Because they don't have anything in the first place. If you don't have anything in the first place, what, you make, what makes you think in a crisis you're going to have anything? So people are going to begin to roam. They're going to begin to look. You say, what are those two things? Number one, the move of God in a church. Now, a move of God in a church may not look like a whole lot in its beginnings or as it begins to move, but it may be exactly what God's doing in a church to help accommodate a crowd that comes instantaneously, grows us up, helps us love people that are kind of unlovable. People that come in scared or afraid. So two things that God is doing. God is working in the house, in the church to revive. You say, what do you mean? To revive the gifts of the Spirit, the anointing of God, the hunger and desire for God, the teaching of the Word of God, everything. All the rivers that Jesus talked about in John chapter 7 where he said, out of your belly shall flow rivers, not a river, but rivers of living water, rivers of blessing, rivers of salvation, rivers of healing, rivers of hope and prosperity, rivers of righteousness and joy. Those rivers are beginning to flow now. And it may just, it may seem like a trickle, but if you'll hang on, what was once a trickle, it's going to turn into a torrent. You say, well, if God's moving in the church, what's the other thing? People are going to come because of the disasters that are going on on the earth. It's going to, it's going to force them to church. They're going to be so afraid they're going to be, be so fearful. Now, there'll be a, there'll be a bunch that, that won't have anything to do with it. Those will be the ones that are dying because their hearts are failing them for fear of that which is coming upon the earth. Amen. But the good news is, just think about it. You get to be in on the front end of this thing. You get to be right in, the middle of, right in the middle of what God's doing if we'll hear, not just listen, but hear and obey. Hear and obey. The man that built the largest church in the world, Dr. Youngie Cho, I heard him speak one time and he said well, some of the most profound things I'd ever heard in my life. But one of the things that he said was this. He said, we grew a church in Seoul, South Korea, in which we built an auditorium to seat 50,000 people and had to have five services a day just to hold the people. Amen. The church ended up actually being the first church in, Amer in, the, in the world that actually could actually uh, 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 claim to have a million members in their church. That's pretty awesome. So ask many times, by many pastors throughout the world. How did you do that? Here's, was his, here's his answer. I pray, I obey. That's all he would say. 
I pray, I obey. I pray, I obey. And now you say, is it really that simple? Well, he'll be, he built the largest church in the world with it. It ought to be that simple. Pray and obey. Everybody say, pray and obey. Now, two scriptures we're looking at. First Peter chapter 1. And I'm just going to read them, then we're going to go on to what they're telling us to do. I'm going to read two translations, King James and Amplified. Uh, verse, let me find it here, verse uh, 13. We've read it several times. Wherefore, if I say wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and hoped to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you by or at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Everybody say revelation of Jesus. So what do we need, church? We need the grace that God has laid in store for the last days. You say, what, what does that mean? Now, what, explain that, Pastor. That means we want God's ability working on our behalf the way that it should because of how our faith is operating. Are you with me? How we're believing. Well, what are we believing God for? We're believing God for this grace. Now, how does that grace come? It comes at the revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, these are simple things. That's why I'm going over and over and over. You say, well, 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 well Pastor, how, is that, how, does that even, how does that even register on the human mind? Here's how it registers. Revelation comes from God. It doesn't come from your pastor, a great apostle or evangelist that would stand in this pulpit. Someone you may watch on television, a book you may read. Revelation is the ability of God himself to uncover from the source the reality of his identity and its relevance to you. That's called revelation. We see it in the Word of God in Matthew chapter 16. You don't have to turn there. We've mentioned it many times. But when Jesus asked the men around him, whom do men say that I the son of men am? Then he asked, he asked, obviously asked a direct question, whom do you say? Everybody say, whom do you say? So it's not who mom and daddy says or grandma and grandpa says or, or, or pastor says or apostle or prophet. Who do you say? Who do you say? Well, he's a good man. Uh, well, he died on the cross. Uh, well, he's born in the manger. Well, all of that's information that you can get from the Bible. But there is information that does not come from the Bible. It comes from God himself. You say, what is it? It's revelation knowledge. The Bible backs it up. The Bible affirms it, but God reveals it to you. And it begins with the revelation of Jesus. So if you don't, listen, if you don't believe, you don't believe, you don't believe, you know. Amen. Amen. Now remember our little exercise to help you with that. Do we need to do that again? How many believe I'm standing here? Raise your hand if you believe I'm standing. So we need to do it again. You don't believe I'm standing here. You know I'm standing here. You see me? You hear me? I spit on a few of the couple front rows here so they feel me. Hopefully you don't smell me. I don't want anybody tasting me. Amen. But with at least three of your senses, you're contacting me right now. And they're telling you, you don't have to believe he's there. He's there. He's there. So you don't have the advantage. Now listen to me. You don't have the advantage of hearing, feeling, tasting, smelling, or seeing. But what do you have? Something greater than hearing, tasting, smelling, feeling, or seeing. What is that? Faith. And faithless, you believe what you believe you hope for. 
What you know, you receive. Let me say that again. What you believe, you hope for. But what you, but what you know, you receive. You say, how do you, now how does that work? I know I'm saved, honey. I don't believe I'm saved. I know I'm saved. Amen. I don't believe I'm going to heaven. I know I'm going to heaven. Well, you can't be sure. I'm sure. God says he grants that assurance on the inside of your heart that you are. He says his, wit- his spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are what? Oh, just poor old sinner saved. But no, that we are the sons and daughters of God. That comes through revelation knowledge. If you know beyond a shadow of a doubt, I like what Pastor John Osteen used to say. He said, if you can take a ball bat and somebody beat you to a greasy spot in the ground and that greasy spot cry out, I know I'm more than a conqueror. I guarantee you got it. That's revelation that comes from God. If this morning you know beyond a shadow of a doubt Jesus was not just some prophet, not some just miracle worker or good man. He is and forever will be the Christ, the Son of the living God, seated at the right hand of the Father. Then you, you my friend, have been visited by God and God has left the essence of himself in you which is the same power that raised Christ from the dead which abides and dwells in you and quickens or makes alive your mortal body. Amplified Bible. So prepare your minds for action. Be completely sober in spirit, steadfast, self-disciplined, spiritually and morally alert. Fix your hope completely on the grace of God that is coming to you when Jesus Christ is revealed. Now you say, well, pastor, isn't that the second coming? Isn't that the, what good does it do for any of this revelation and power to be given to anybody after we're gone? Well, I believe he'll quicken your mortal body when you get to heaven. What good is that going to do? Your body's not going to need quickening when you get to heaven. Ain't no death there. You need it now, down here in the nasty now and now where there's death, where there's sin, where there's all this terrible stuff that's being implemented against humanity. You need the life of God, but you also need the power of God and that power comes through revelation. And honey, if you know Jesus Christ is the son of the living God, then you have revelation. All you need to do is believe God for some more. Amen? So the revelation, everybody say revelation. That comes through the knowledge of the Lord Jesus. Now, real quick, go to, go to, go to chapter 4. <laughs> this, is, this one here, it kind of starts kind of rough, isn't it? But the end of all things is at hand. Nobody ever shouts on that one, do they? <laughs> but the end of all things is at hand. Be ye therefore sober. Sober. Why should I be sober? So you can watch and pray. Watch and do with prayer. And above all, above all things, above all, this is above all, above all, have fervent. You know what the word uh, fervent means? It means hot. A fervent heat. Amen. Fervent in spirit. What's it in Spanish? Fuego, is that how you say it in Spanish? Fire. Everybody say Fire. But the end of all things is at hand. Be ye therefore sober, watch unto prayer. Above all things, have fervent charity among yourselves, for charity shall cover the multitude of sins. Now listen to the Amplified. 
The end and culmination of all things is near. Therefore, be sound-minded and self-controlled for the purpose of prayer. Now, you know, let me just say this. These are the last days, church. You have to pray. Let me try that again. I know I get all these amens on Sunday morning. Amen? But you have to pray. No, 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 no. You're just listening. You're just listening. You have to pray. Now, not just pray, you know, uh, now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep or, or you know, God bless this hamburger. You're going to have to pray. I mean, you're going to have to pray. If you, listen, if you don't get close to God through prayer, what are you going to do? When the, We've seen some pretty awesome things that were very, uh, how would you describe them? They were calamities. Calamity shutdowns, calamity pandemics, calamities going on uh, all over. The, listen, these calamities start hitting here. You better have a foundation of number one, the word, and then fellowship with God or prayer. And I guarantee you, 99 and 9 tenths percent of all of the intercession and prayer that comes out of this prayer room right here is for other people for the nations of the world and other things that are going on. But you've got to pray because God says, listen, all of this that I'm doing in the last days, there's a grace coming. You have to stay sober. If you're not sober and you're not walking in that grace, there's no way you're going to be able to pray because you're going to be too busy. You're going to be too distracted. You're going to have too much other things going on in your life. And many times when those things are going on, that's when the enemy has set a trap for you and bring you into a drama that you don't want to be in. And I guarantee you prayer can keep you out of those dramas. I don't know where that came from. That's good anyway. Amen. The end or the culmination of all things is near. Therefore, be sound-minded and self-controlled for the purpose of prayer, staying balanced and focused on the things of God so that your communication will be clear, reasonable, specific, and pleasing to Him. Woo-wee. That's a mouthful. And above all, have fervent and unfailing love for one another because love covers a multitude of sin. It overlooks unkindness and unselfishly seeks the best for others. So this is kind of like what I see as marching orders for the last day. Number one, we got to have a greater grace. We got to have a greater grace. We got to have a greater grace. We've got to have a greater grace to build that building. We've got to have a greater grace to reach these nations. Our young people need a greater grace. They're believing God for revival amongst the young people. That's why that Friday night meeting is going on. We need, we, listen, we need a greater grace to reach the schools, the hospitals. Some of you, listen, you've been sitting around thinking, I wonder if there's anything I can do. Honey, these hospital ministries, this guy from Lakewood, he knows what he's doing. And he's got open doors all over the place. You need to understand that's an open door for Island Church. They're praying for 10,000 people a year. Just one person is. We get five or six in the hospital. What if they don't come to our church? Who cares? We want them to meet Jesus. We want them to meet Jesus. Amen. So you've got to sober up. You've got to start praying. Lord, do you want me to do that? Is that? Is that a ministry I should be a part of? See, these things are happening right now. We need that greater grace. So it's very simple. How does that greater grace come? Remember what I did last week? I just took a bunch of scriptures out of the Passion Bible and read you about Jesus. Yeah. Amen? Wasn't that cool? Didn't that inspire you? Yeah. 
The more you hear about him, the more it's about him. The more you saturate yourself in him, I guarantee you, the more faith you're going to have, the more confidence you're going to have, the more courage you're going to have, and the more faith you're going to have to move forward in what God's telling you to do right now. So, let's go. We're seeking a greater revelation. Let's go to, let's go to John, the Gospel of John chapter 15. I tell you, we're going to hang out with Jesus here for a few weeks, if that's okay with you, even if it's not. <laughs> the Gospel of John, chapter 15. I like it. It's a bunch of red letters. I'm a red letter guy, amen? Now, Jesus here is actually doing something very unusual. Because in actuality, I've heard a lot of people teach on this, but they don't realize Jesus, this is Jesus' reference to redemption. Do you understand that? Now, he's telling them something. I guarantee you they weren't figuring out what he was saying because it wasn't until the apostle Paul came and had his revelation of redemption that people actually begin to understand Jesus' teaching on the vine and the branches because that's literally the picture of who we are in Christ. Always remember these gospels paint the portrait, but it's the letters that give us the x-ray or behind the scenes. Amen? So we'll, we'll look at the portrait, then we'll, real quick we'll take the x-ray. Amen? Now notice here. It says, I am the true vine. My father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. You ought to listen to that. Amen? I've had several people that, that, that left the church over the years and I was praying over them and praying, Lord, why in the world are they gone? It seemed like you were doing such a wonderful work. He said, it's because they're bearing no fruit in their life. I said, so I'm having to deal with them in another way. I'm like, Really? Listen, God doesn't call you to serve him not to bear fruit. You say, well, what does that mean to bear fruit? All of the fruits of the Spirit that are unique to us as Christian, love, patience, endurance, uh, uh, all of the things that he talks about in the book of Galatians, that is the true fruit of the believer. Then the fruit that we have corporately as a church. We get to share in all these people that get saved in all of these nations. Those that come here to the front uh, after, the, after we preach uh, uh, in, in services. We share and everybody shares in the reward. And the Bible says that every one of them comes to the Lord. They throw a party in heaven. We stand and go, oh, praise God. Here's your cup. <laughs> Amen. No, no, no. We ought to be more celebratory of all of the people that come to Jesus. You say, why? Because you want to bear fruit. Every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it. You ever felt like you've been purged? Cut back a little bit? Trimmed up? Oh, well, we won't go there. I know I can meddle. But notice what he says after he finishes saying that. Listen to this. Now ye are clean through the word I have spoken unto you. Now, now why, would that, why would that be put there? Because God is saying you want to leave, live, live clean in life. Understand you're connected to something that is desiring to produce fruit through you. Amen. He's the vine, but you're the branch. You're the part that bears the fruit. He's the one connected to the one that is the fruit giver. Mm. I better be careful with these scriptures. I'll get crazy around here. Abide in me and I in you. Now see, there's your in Christ concept right there. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine, no more can ye ex except ye abide in the vine. I'm the vine, you're the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. So what can you do without him? Say it again. You can't do anything. You can do nothing. Everybody say nothing again. Now notice this. 
if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what ye will and it shall be done unto you. I remember that thing, uh, the uh, poster that I saw in an antique shop. God answers all prayers. Sometimes his answer is no. Well, that's good news, isn't it? That's real good news. No, God answers every prayer that's prayed according to his will. And that lines up with the word of God. Our assurance is right here. Right here. Listen, listen. Listen, let me read a few of these together. It says, uh, I am the vine, you are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. Everybody say much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered and men gather them and cast them into the fire and they are burned. Do I need to tell you what that's talking about? Well, okay. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what ye will and it shall be done unto you. Why? Herein is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit. So shall you be my disciple. Now this is Jesus, red letters, standing in his robe with his beard, talking to his disciples and talking to us 2,000 years later and saying it's this simple. It's really this simple. All you need to do is abide in me. If you'll abide in Christ, if you'll abide in me and I in you, I guarantee you if you'll pray, I'll answer all your prayers my Father will be glorified. I've lived by that my whole life. Amen. The Father is glorified. Herein is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit. As the fathers have loved me, so have I loved you. Continue you in my love. Now here, let me bring this to a conclusion. If you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love. See, now now people, they hear those commandments. Commandments. We're not under the law. Once you got born again, you became subject to commandments again. And Jesus Christ retains the right to command you. And he says, the proof of your love for me is not how warm and fuzzy you feel, how much you laugh at the altar, how much you cry at the altar, how many times you run around the church, or how many bumper stickers you have on your car. Amen. He says, your true proof of me True proof of your love to me is you keep my commandments. You keep my commandments. You keep my commandments. Boy, there's benefit to that though. He's not trying to treat you like a slave. He's trying to get everything he's bought for you, everything he's purchased for you, everything he went through hell to get you. He's trying to get it to you so you can bear much fruit, much fruit, much fruit. He always connects that word much. Everybody say much. Much fruit. These things have I spoken unto you. No, if you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love. Even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things have I spoken to you that your joy might, that these things have I spoken unto you that my joy might remain in you. My joy might remain in you. Now, do you know his joy? His joy is you. He endured the suffering, the shame, the humility, and the pain of the cross because of his love for you. His overwhelming, unsatiable love drove him to death. 
And he died a death we could not die for ourselves so that he could rise up into a life we could not obtain for ourselves. And he would wrap it up in salvation and saturate it in grace and then give you faith so that you could pull it into your life. And he says, I have much fruit for you. You can bear much fruit. Prayer fruit, faith fruit, financial fruit, health fruit. Amen. God doesn't want you to be fruitless because his joy in you. What is that joy? It's all the other people that get to find out about Jesus. It's all the other ones that today, they don't know him today. They're fearful today. They're afraid they're going to die and go to a sinner's hell today. But then tomorrow, you, you, you have an encounter with them and you lead them to the Lord. And the joy of that salvation is the joy of your Savior working in and through you. People that have no desire to win souls, they don't carry the joy of Jesus. I was real frustrated trying to lead someone to the Lord one time. I was down in, in uh, Belize, and a man had, had, he was a marine biologist, had lost his mind and got hooked on cocaine and rum, and he just was gone. And his friend went down there and found him, and I was actually conducting a meeting there, and uh, uh, he asked me to come down in this, in this bar to minister to him. And I went down there, and the guy, guy was crazy. I mean, I ministered to him, laid hands on him, cast the devil out of him, and he still didn't. He didn't receive nothing. He walked out of there as crazy as he walked in. But hopefully a seed was planted. Amen. But then walking out of there, I was walking out of there. I thought, man, what a waste. What, a, what, what, how crazy, you know. That's <laughs> and so this lady, I'm, I'm walking, there's this little walkway between where the bar was and the restaurant. And a lady is sitting on a big stack of uh, Coca-Cola cases, weeping. She said, I heard what you told that man. She said, I was raised in a, in a spirit-filled church and I've been backslidden for 30 years. And I didn't think God would ever bring me, would ever have me back. Now I know he will. And she prayed and got right with God. And you know, she invited all the people from that, from that hotel. They all came. We had 36 people saved that night and 36 people filled with the Holy Ghost because of one, one lady that got right with God. Do you think that brings joy to Jesus? It brought real joy to me. Amen. See, you share in that joy. You share in that joy. I said, you share in that joy. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. If you obey me, keep my commandments. If you obey me, keep my commandments. If you obey me, keep my commandments. Why? If you obey me, keep my commandments. Why? It says this, this is my commandment that ye love one another as I have loved you. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Yet, yeah, ye are my friends if you do whatsoever I command you. Now notice this. Henceforth, now here's the, here's the kicker. This is Jesus. This is red letters. And the problem is we read by this and we don't let this register. We don't let it become revelation. We listen, but we do not hear. Now hear, hear this, hear this. Henceforth, I call you not servants. For the servant knoweth not what his Lord doeth. But I have called you friends. For all things I have heard of my Father, I have made known unto you. Now, we read by that and we think nothing of that. But you have to understand for almost 4,000, actually for about 3,200 years, they were the servants of God. Servants of God. Servants. They thought God was mad at them. They watched Uzziah die when he pushed his hand upon the cart trying to steady the Ark of the Covenant. They watched hundreds of thousands of their own fellow, fellow, uh, fellow 
Israelites die because of their disobedience to God under another covenant. And then Jesus turns to them and says, I'm not calling you servants anymore. I bet that got their attention. Then he said this, I call you my friend. You know what he was doing? He was preparing them for sonship. He was getting them ready. He was bringing them from the transition of a slave or a servant into a friend or quote, better word, favored one. And then you bring them, where do you bring them from there? You bring them into the family. And that's what God did for us in Christ. Now, quickly, quickly, Ephesians chapter one. Let's wind this up. Don't you love studying about Jesus? Now, these prayers in Ephesians 1, Ephesians 3, I would highly advise you pray those prayers over yourself every day. I pray them over myself. There's no measuring the benefit of what God will do for you when you begin to cry out for the spirit of wisdom, revelation of the knowledge of him. The eyes of your understanding would be enlightened. But now notice this. Here's this powerful prayer. We're going to take just a moment, just a moment. Stay with me. Beginning in verse 15. Wherefore, this is Ephesians chapter 1. We're still studying the subject of Jesus. Wherefore, I also, after heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and love unto all the saints, cease not to give thanks for you, making mention for you my prayers, that the God of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, now notice this, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Now understand this. This goes all the way back to creation. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was void and without form. And the Spirit of God, what? Moved upon the face of the earth. And God said, let there be light. So when God begins to move, God begins to speak. God begins to unveil. God begins to reveal. Now the Apostle Paul backs up into the book of Ephesians, praying it for a church in which he had mighty revival, special miracles, a Bible school that reached all of Asia. Amen? So he turns around and says this, Number one, when I see of your faith and love, I'm praying you have revelation. What qualifies you for revelation? Walking in faith and love. If you're not walking in faith and love, it's going to be hard for you to have revelation. Amen? But if you walk in faith and love, if you begin to, if you begin to make a decision, Lord, work on my character, faith and love is part of the what? The fruits. And what does Jesus want you to do? Bear much So you're walking in faith and love. So Paul prays that you would not just have Wisdom and revelation, but a spirit of it on you. A spirit of wisdom and a spirit of revelation. A spirit of wisdom and a a spirit of revelation in what? In what? In the knowledge of Him. He wants you to know, 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 know more and more about Jesus. More and more about Him. Are you with me? Spirit of wisdom, revelation of the knowledge of Him, that the eyes of your understanding being enlightened. I like one translation. That God would give you more light in proportionate to the light that you already have. So if you don't have a little light, he'll give you a little more. But if you got a lot of light, he'll give you a whole lot more. Yeah. Amen? Now notice this. 
that the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you would know what is the hope of his calling, what is the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward usward who believe according to the working of his mighty power. Now notice this very carefully. Paul begins to pray a prayer of petition. You know what a prayer of petition is? He is asking, asking. Paul, what are you asking for? Well, I'm asking for a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you. I'm asking that the eyes of your understanding would be enlightened. Are you with me? Are you with me? So can you see? Can you hear the asking? Can you hear the petition? Can you hear it? Can you hear it? Give me a better amen. amen. Now, you can hear it, right? You can hear it. So he's asking, spirit of wisdom, revelation of the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling and what is the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. Now, that's even deeper into partition. We want to get into the inheritance part, Lord. We want that part of our inheritance. Jesus died so that we could have part of it. Now, thank God for the Holy Ghost. We've got the down payment, but we want to experience some greater dimensions of our inheritance. Amen? So, partition, partition, partition. But now notice this. This is interesting. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what is the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints and the light, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe according to the working of his mighty power. Now, he's not, he's not asking for anything now. He's making a declaration. This is revelation. I said this is revelation. See, the reason that people don't scream and run around the church is because it's not revelation, because they're listening. But when it drops into your heart, say what? The package of the entire prayer of Ephesians 1 is this. I start out with four verses of petition, and I end up with four verses of revelation. God answered his prayer when he prayed the prayer. What is a greater spirit of wisdom, a revelation in the knowledge of him than understanding who you are in Christ? Now notice what he's doing. He's saying this. He said, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power? The exceeding greatness of his power. Not demonstrated toward the devil, not demonstrated toward all the universes he had created, but what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us word who believe? We don't know yet. That's why we need the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him. Because as long as we believe, we're available for revelation to come to us. Amen. One revelation can change your life. Brother Hagin's revelation of faith changed, changed the world. Or Robert's revelation of seed time and harvest changed the world. Simple revelations. And God's wanting to give you revelation, revelation. Now notice this. This is, this is so awesome. What is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in heavenly places. You've got to understand, church, God is showing us right here. He's saying, now look, look, there are some demonstrations of my power in the word. When I, when I split the Red Sea, when I put ten plagues upon Egypt, when David killed Goliath, Solomon's wisdom, all of the signs and wonders and miracles of Elijah... 
That's, that, that was a portion of my power. Jesus came to the earth, anointed by the Holy Ghost, healed the woman with the issue of blood, cleansed ten lepers. That was a little bit of his power and manifestation. But God is saying you need a revelation, not of just the power that healed the woman, not of just the power that split the sea, but of the power that raised my son from the dead. Down in hell itself, burdened down with all your sin, all your sickness, everything that deprived humanity had in it. Jesus took it, went to hell and died with it. And when he rose from the dead, the greatest release of power in the universe happened. You talk about a big bang. I got a big bang for you. I got a bang that blew the chains of the devil off your life. It blew all the world, the flesh, and the devil out of you. It's given you heaven as a home. Jesus is your Lord. It's filled you with the Holy Ghost. It gives you hope when there's hopelessness. It gives you faith, and it shows you the goodness and the glory of your God that loves you so much. It's an unmeasurable love. It's all about him. It's all about Jesus. So how many would agree that these last scriptures, what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead, set him at his own right hand in heavenly place, far above all principality, power, might, dominion, every name that is named, not only in this world, but the world that is to come, put all things under his feet, gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth it all in all. Would you, how many would agree, this is some great stuff about Jesus. This is some really good stuff. This is some great, stuff about Jesus. I mean, there's some stuff about Jesus in there. It's just stirring on the end. I'm going to meditate on it. I'm going to think about it. I'm going to memorize it. I'm going to get it in me. And this thing that I believe, I'm going to know it by the time it ends up in my spirit. I'm going to know. I'm going to experience what is the exceeding greatness of his power. But see, God's cool. He knows what he's doing. And the first two words of chapter 2 are what? And you. (laughs) But I need prayer. Let me tell you something, church. We're in a fight. You're in a fight for your very life, whether you know it or not. And these things are serious. And those first two words, we'll pick that up next week there in chapter 2. And you, he just took every revelation of Ephesians chapter 1 and hooked it to your life with two words, a conjunction and a pronoun. And you. You ought to jump up, put your head through a ceiling tile. You say, why? Because God took all that revelation about Jesus, everything that he said about his resurrection, everything about his authority, everything about where he's seated, and he said, and you. Meaning that you're risen with him. You're seated with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. You're more than a conqueror. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the earth. And as you go down through chapter 2, you'll see all the things that he's done for us in Christ. And he ends up with this, for by grace you are saved through faith. Not of works. It is the gift of God. Least any man should boast. So as that revelation grows in us, Jesus gets bigger. Now, according to the scriptures we read in 1 Peter, what happens? We sober up. We're we're much more 
adapt to say yes to prayer, and we learn how to cover each other with love. And that is something that we have to do as a church if we're going to enter into the true spirit of what God wants to do. And I guarantee you're not going to see huge mega crowds of people hearing this and doing this. You say, why? Because there's something different that's going to happen in these last days that's going to cause mass evangelism and thousands of people are going to come to Jesus without ever growing in him because he's coming back so soon. But thank God for the harvest. I say thank God for the harvest. And a lot of people are going to be so happy that we just served God the way we did and ended up at a place where we could help them when the time came. Hallelujah. Lift your hands and worship God. Father, we thank you. Lord, we thank you for Jesus. Jesus, we love you. We worship you. Lord, according to genealogy, you're our elder brother. You're our big brother. And man, did you do some big brother stuff for us. And the scars of it are on your hands and feet and side. But the result of it is in us. That life and power. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We're forever grateful. For eternity, we will worship you. You have revealed unto us the love and the nature of the Father. You have given unto us a kindness and a compassion the earth does not know that can only be experienced. Father, free us from dead religion. Free us from anything that does not help people. Help us to flow. You know what's coming. You know what's on the horizon. You know the perilous times that we're living in. So prepare us for a divine flow so that we can flow in and out of the things we need to be involved in. Not only to protect us, keep us safe, but to help us not just survive, but thrive. We declare increase in the midst of decrease. We step forward when others are stepping back. And Father, with all our hearts, we search Christ. We search for Him. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. Now let me say this and we'll pray and close. I'm amazed at the Apostle Paul. I'm going to enjoy times. I'm sure everyone will have their time with him. But something that he wrote in Philippians at the end of Philippians is what they call a prison letter meaning it was written while he was in Rome in prison awaiting execution he lived on a grate in which the the very primitive sewers of Rome so all the sewage of Rome flowed right under his feet and I guess he was reflective upon his own life and what had been produced through his faith and you know I don't have any complaints (laughs) I mean, he started churches all over the world, preached a, preached a message not even the disciples or the apostles got to preach. They had understanding of it. But as he began to realize his time was up, he'd finished his course, he penned something there in chapter 3. And it was a very simple phrase. If you, if you read it, he said, you know, that I may know him that I may be apprehended of that which I may have been apprehended of. And if you just read through it without meditating on it, it, it doesn't seem like much, but if you'll think about 
everything that he had done, he had written 13 books of the book. 13 books of the Bible. He had, he had had special miracles, signs and wonders. He had survived hell itself on the earth. He'd been beaten and stoned and all kinds of things. So obviously, according to the ambition or ego of man, what, what man's ambition or ego would project at a time like this, he was not there. He was not there. He had lost his ego and ambition because his request at the end of his life wasn't for another revival, to write another book, to, to have special merit. His was to do what? To know him. That I might what? Know him. That I might know him. That I might know him. That word is experience. That I might experience Christ. That I might know him. That I might know him. That I might. That, I found that strange. So I started studying throughout the word and saw how many people in the word of God were so affected by the word and affected by God himself. That really nothing, nothing else really mattered in life but knowing him. If I can just know him. And I'm not talking about some, you know, some life segregated. From, I'm talking about a life in service for God in which everything that was done in service for God Really, that wasn't the true issue. The issue was getting to know him. So instead of saying, well, I, I want to build another church like in Ephesus. Or I would have, you know, how about another church like in Corinth? We changed the city of Corinth, which was the most sexually perverse city in the world. We changed Ephesus that worshiped the god Diana. We changed Thessalonica. They said of Paul, these have the men that have turned the world upside down come to our city also. What a great reputation. That wasn't his desire. All he knew, all he knew, and you can study in the book of Acts. He started every message he preached in the book of Acts like this. I was on the road to Damascus, and a light shined brighter than the noonday sun. And see, many times we think about the Apostle Paul or other characters of the Bible having some great spectacular event in their life, but we all had the same thing. We were all on our own road to Damascus when a light shined from heaven, and something apprehended us that we need to be apprehended. Something got a hold of us that we need to get a hold of ourselves. It begins with simply saying yes to Jesus. Not, not some religious thing, joining some. No, no. Just you say, Jesus, I'm going to answer the question. Whom do men say that you are? You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And I accept you into my, that's all it takes. Amen. Every head bowed, every eye closed for just a moment. If you're here today, you say, Pastor, I'm, I, that's, I don't know that I am saved. I, 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 I don't know that I am right with God. Is it really that simple just to confess Jesus? Yes, it's that simple. That's how I got in. That's how everybody here got, got in. That's God's plan. It's the way God does things. If you're here today, you say, Pastor, I'd I don't know that I'm saved, but I'd like to know. Or if you say, I've been saved, but I just had not been living for God. I need to get right with God. Well, technically, according to the word, you've broken fellowship, but God hadn't broken his relationship or you wouldn't even be here today. Amen. So with nobody looking around, every head bowed, every eye closed, if you say, Pastor, that's me. I need to get right with God this morning. Please pray with me. Anyone, lift your hand up high. Anyone at all? Anyone at all? Help me, ushers, as we look around for just a moment. One hand, God bless you. Anyone else? Another? Praise God. Anyone else? Quickly, as we look one more time, this is what this is all about. Church should introduce people to Jesus. He's not on a cross. He's not in a manger. He's seated at the right hand of the Father. Hallelujah. Everybody stand on your feet, if you will. Will you help me pray with these people that raise their hands? 
Amen. Y'all can just stay right there where you're seated. But let's all, let's all, let's all pray with them together. And especially those that lifted their hand. Pray out loud so your own ears hear it. Are you ready, church? Here we go. Heavenly Father, right now, openly and publicly, I confess Jesus Christ as my Lord and my Savior. Thank you, Father. You sent your son Jesus, born of a virgin, lived a sinless life, did signs and wonders and miracles. He died on a cross, but he rose from the dead and he did it all for me. I believe it. I receive it. I accept it in Jesus' name. God, you know me better than I know myself. My weaknesses, my pain, my disappointment. I put my hand in your life. I am doing what your son and my Savior said to do. I am learning to love and to keep his commandment. Thank you, Father. As I stand at Island Church on the 23rd of... 23rd of July, 2022, I'm right with God. The angels are rejoicing. There's a party in heaven. Thank you, Father. Jesus' name. Lord, as we leave today, we claim the protection and safety afforded us by your word. Thank you, no evil befalls us. No plague comes nigh our dwelling place. The angels of God have charge over us. We thank you today, Father. Jesus has grown in us just a little more. Father, we thank you as we leave. We thank you that we're blessed of you to be a blessing to others. Thank you, Father. We have a witness in our mouth and in our life. We can both do and say that which you direct us to do, to touch hurting lives and help hurting people. Thank you, Father, as we leave today. Your goodness, your protection, your safety. We bind every foul attack of the enemy. Get your hands off God's people in Jesus' name. And Father, we declare this week a glorious, victorious week. Thank you that our, that our missions team in Nicaragua will have the greatest anointing they've ever had in their lives. And thank you the doors of utterance will open like never before. Father, as we leave today, we walk in faith and love towards you. We love you so much. We walk in love toward one another per the commandment of our Savior, Jesus Christ and Lord. Father, we leave as the ambassadors of Christ you've called us to be. Thanking you, Lord, here at Island Church. We're covered by the blood, empowered by the word, anointed by the Holy Spirit. God bless you. We'll see you on Wednesday night. Thank you for listening to Island Church's podcast. To find out more information about Island Church in Galveston, Texas, visit our website at islandchurchgalveston.com. Hallelujah, Jesus.